Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is June the 16th, 2023, and I'm so happy you could join me. Glad to join you. It's been one hell of a week. There's so much to talk about, but what I want to focus on today is the hearing that was conducted just two days ago before the Homeland Security Committee in the House of Representatives that committee chaired by uh, the Honorable Mark E. Green, Republican from Tennessee. Um, And the hearing was very important. It covered so many of the aspects of the failed and corrupted immigration system that I've been hammering away at um, forever, not just the southern border. Um, The hearing focused even on citizenship and immigration services, the way that applications for asylum are being mishandled willfully by the administration to achieve the goal of Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, of getting to yes, to approve applications for visas no matter what. Now, I take no satisfaction in saying I told you so. One of my all-time favorite movies, I, Robot, was written, or at least the movie itself was based on a science fiction novel I read back in public school. To my recollection, it was my very first science fiction novel, uh, and it, you know, I, gotten, I was then bitten by the science fiction bug. It was Isaac Asimov who wrote I, Robot. He and Arthur Clarke, my favorite authors, even got to admit Arthur Clarke, by the way, uh, when I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport. Great honor. So this whole notion of iRobot is that here we are again, isn't it interesting, with artificial intelligence? Well, that was the premise of iRobot, that robots would become sentient and then pose a threat to humans. And the character played by Will Smith, he's a police officer, and he's trying to warn people that the robots can't be trusted. And everyone says he's paranoid. Well, you know, in law enforcement, we have an expression Just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean you're not being followed. And nobody will listen to Will Will Smith's character. No matter what he does, they look at him like he's crazy. Um, And he gets into all kinds of hot water. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. But when it really hits the fan, there's this great line by, by his character where he says, somehow I told you so, just doesn't quite say it. I kind of feel like that Will Smith character this evening. Because back on December the 7th, 2020, when it was announced that Alejandro Mayorkas would be the selection for a DHS secretary by the Biden administration, I'll be honest, I freaked out. And I freaked out with good reason. I freaked out because I knew about Mayorkas's malfeasance when he was the head of citizenship and immigration services under the Obama administration. He ordered agents to get to, yes, approve petitions. I don't care what the circumstances are, approve them. 
I spoke with several executives at USCIS back then during the Biden administration, and they were alarmed. In fact, I was told by one official that the FBI had gone to Mayorkas and said there is a company applying for EB-5, that's treaty investor visas, who appear to have a direct link to Hezbollah, an Iranian terrorist group. Hezbollah is operating all throughout Latin America, moving drugs and people, including sleeper agents, into the United States, even as you're listening to my program this evening. So when the FBI went to him, and Homeland Security Investigations, that's ICE, Uh, That's the division that deals with drugs, terrorism, serious criminal allegations, and so forth. Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, went to him and said, you've got to deny these petitions. These people are a threat to national security. And Mayorga said, no, I don't care. They're going to get approved. And he did. And ABC News, to their credit, did a multi-part report on Alejandro Mayorga and his malfeasance, how he was also involved with, with the politics and Hillary Clinton and her folks getting visas for people uh, for political purposes, turning it into a true cesspool. You know, I was very critical of the way that George W. Bush created the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, And I make no bones. I'm not being partisan. What I am being is American. Full disclosure, those of you familiar with me know that I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. But before you have a stroke or pass out, please understand I am still a Democrat. The problem is the Democrats are not Democrats. Certainly not the Democrats that I signed on with back when I was in college and first registered to vote. The real Democrat Party are liberal. These people are not liberal. I'm liberal. I raise my children to be liberal. What's a liberal? Not what you might think it is. A liberal is someone who celebrates the First Amendment, who believes that the tenets of the First Amendment of sacrosanct, that every single American has an absolute unqualified right to speak his or her mind freely without fear, period, full stop. The only exception, you don't call for acts of violence, and you don't do the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's what democracy looks and smells like, that you can stand up and take a viewpoint and be proud of your viewpoint and stand on a soapbox on any street corner or get before a microphone or get before an audience and have no fear to tell people what you really think. The reason we say two heads work better than one is because when two people get together and try to solve a problem, they come at it from different directions, and this is about synergy where the, the, sum, the, the parts are, are, are not as great as what happens when all the parts are put together. Synergy, right? You put your heads together, coming at problems from different directions and come up with the best possible solutions. That's why if, God forbid, you have a medical condition, you go for a second opinion, maybe a third opinion, because not everyone sees things the same way. That's what freedom is about. Free to think your own thoughts. Free to speak your own mind. There's a wonderful song. Sinatra does a great job of it. Uh, I think it's called The Home, the House I Live In, where he talks about what is America to me. And there's one line in there that I really love, the right to speak your mind out. That's America to me. Does that sound like the Democrat Party of today with their cancel culture, with Antifa shutting down debates on college campuses and elsewhere? We're now finding out that perhaps uh, the virus really did come 
from Wuhan labs. But think back what happened when anybody, including doctors, scientists, dared to stand up and say, you know, this looks like it came from the lab. And all hell would break loose. They were censored in the social media. And now they're saying, gee whiz, you know, there's more and more evidence. We'll know more in a couple of weeks. But you don't learn without asking questions. My dad used to say to me, Mike, the only dumb question is the question you don't ask. The Democrat Party of today does not want you to question anything, especially when they tell you the way it is. Follow the science. What science? Follow what we tell you or else. So, yes, I am a Democrat, and they have become fascists. They have become totalitarians. They have become the exact opposite of what the Democrat Party used to stand for. But it's what I still stand for. And, by the way, I'm pro-labor. My dad was a construction worker. I think the world of blue-collar America, of tradesmen, people who actually do something real for a living. I love when banks tell you they have a product, a product, and they hand you a piece of paper and they call it a product. Did you ever realize that three-card Monty was a product? Because I, I never thought of it that way. Insurance companies, all these corporations that come up with products. Wow. In Mike Cutler's world, the product, requires an assembly line and glue and metal and plastic and iron and machinery. That's a product, something you can hold in your hand besides a piece of paper or a scam. And it's blue-collar America that built America. And in the old days, the Republicans supported the business owners. The Democrat Party supported the workers. And I tend to decide with the workers. This is America. That's who I am. And so, by the way, I have to tell you, you look at the corporate greed. We've never seen it this bad. I just saw an article in passing. I haven't read it yet. But apparently there are corporations that are upset with the notion of blocking China because they want to use artificial intelligence for military purposes. And there are American companies that are rejecting calls to not cooperate with China, rejecting calls like sawing off the branch on a tree except you're sitting on the wrong side of the branch who in their right mind wouldn't want to support the safety and security of america is money all that important that you're willing to sell out your country literally and figuratively i don't know ask joe biden and his, and his clan ask them what they had to give in exchange for the money that appears to have been flowing freely maybe this is why they're doing what they're doing opening up the borders weakening america from within destroying a generation of children through this nonsense about sex change hormones and surgery for children without notifying parents, allowing narcotics to flow freely into the country. And then you have sanctuary cities like New York that provide vending machines for free. You can get Narcan, you can get crack pipes, you can get instructions on how to use illegal dangerous drugs safely, dangerous illegal drugs safely. When they talk about homelessness, what do they point to? Drugs. Most of the people that are living in tent cities are on drugs. When they talk about shooters, they talk about mental illness. Extended use of drugs leads to mental illness. There have been articles posted about it. Even something as supposedly fundamental as pot hurting the minds of adolescent young men, and then they go out and commit crazy acts of violence. I'm all about being free to make your own decisions, 
there's a part of me that's libertarian on certain issues, but the notion of permitting narcotics to flow freely into America, to poison our people, to poison our children, to destroy families, to lead to more violence, and as a side benefit, so-called, we're funding terrorists and cartels and criminals and gangs. It has to stop. It has to stop. We are experiencing bedlam at the hands of the people that were elected to supposedly defend America and Americans, to uphold the Constitution. Let's look at Article 4, Section 4, that says the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. Are we not getting large economy-sized examples of invasion and domestic violence? Crime through the roof. Cities are becoming ghost towns. San Francisco is falling apart. I went to San Francisco 30, 40 years ago. It was incredible. The sidewalks were cleaner than than the floors of most people's kitchens. Look what it's turned into now. Malls are closing down. Businesses are leaving. America is rotting from within, and the rot is being created by the globalists, by the lunatic left, by people that are more concerned about the rights of violent thugs than the people who are being beaten, raped, robbed, and killed. Is this still a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? I would argue it absolutely is not. Absolutely not. When you have to be fearful of walking out into the streets because you may become the victim of crime, and if God forbid you defend yourself, you might become the victim of a corrupt prosecutor, where is our freedom? Where is our freedom? I don't want vigilanteism, but my goodness gracious, the police hands are tied. And when police do wrong, they need to be made accountable. I'm all for it. I was a law enforcement officer for 30 years. The badge gives you more accountability than it does authority. That was a point hammered home by many people I met in law enforcement along the way. That's why cops don't call the badge a shield. They call it a tin to remind themselves that it's only a piece of tin, that that badge doesn't give you as much authority as it gives you responsibility and accountability. Would that the politicians see it that way? So Homeland Security is yet another element of a failed system that is destroying the United States, and that doesn't mean I'm anti-immigrant. In fact, I'm first-generation American. My mom came here ahead of the Holocaust. We're Jewish. Thank God she got in, because if she hadn't gotten in, I wouldn't be here, my children and my grandchildren wouldn't be here. I owe this country not only my life, but the lives of my children and my incredible grandchildren. I'm a fortunate American. And if there's any privilege that I have, it's to be American. But that sense of privilege of being an American is dwindling by the day for all of us, for all of us. Most of the decisions being made by our supposed leaders are being made to placate the people that write the checks to globalists. And both parties are getting money from the same people that want to take down America's borders. So it was a certain amount of of satisfaction that I looked at the hearing that was held two days ago by Homeland Security. I testified before the Select Committee on Homeland Security, by the way, way back when it was being formed. And I did not like the way it was configured. I still don't. 
It was never supposed to divide border security from interior enforcement. It was never supposed to include other agencies that had nothing to do with immigration. This was all done by that globalist, George W. Bush. This was all about destroying our ability to secure the borders and protect the American people. Don't take my word for it. John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee back in 2005, said that the way the DHS was put together by the Bush administration gave us immigration incoherence, made it impossible to secure the borders and force the laws to protect the American people. And John Hostetler was a Republican, is a Republican. He chaired the subcommittee, the the, uh, immigration subcommittee back then. It's both parties. But what the Democrats have done with Mayorkas is outrageous beyond words. I am absolutely convinced that Mayorkas is looking for the MVP award by ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the drug cartels, China, Iran, Russia, the adversaries of America who want to see America destroyed. Mayorkas is absolutely doing everything in his power to put smiles on their faces um, and keep Americans awake at night. It is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And and so what I want to start out doing is I I want to start reading the prepared statement that was made at the hearing by the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, Mark Green. I think I mentioned he's a Republican from Tennessee. And, And here's how his statement starts out. And it's really important to pay attention to this. Because he makes the point that I made. It's not just the southern border. Listen carefully. These are his words. On February the 2nd, 2021, Alejandro Mayorkas was sworn in as the United States Secretary of Homeland Security. He swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and faithfully discharge the duties of his office. Since then, the American people have suffered from a national security humanitarian and public safety disaster at the southwest border, a disaster that has turned every city into a border city and every state into a border state. In just over two years under Secretary Mayorkas, more people have entered our country illegally than in the 12 years of the Obama and Trump administrations combined. This includes more than 5.2 million apprehensions at the southwest border. I'm just going to interrupt at one, this point, one point. Apprehensions don't mean what they used to mean. Yes, many of these people were simply then permitted to claim political asylum and be permitted to then enter the United States. It wasn't that they were apprehended and turned around. Many of them are here right now, folks. So just how to make that point. But let me, let me continue with what he said. More than 5.2 million apprehensions at the southwest border. More than 6.1 million apprehensions factoring in Americans' northern and maritime borders. Is that not something that I've been hammering at forever, that there is a northern border and that we have 95,000 miles of coastline? So although he focused on the southwest border, he mentioned the fact that nearly a million more illegal aliens have been apprehended attempting to enter the United States across the Canadian border or along our coastline. What he left out, by the way, important, and I hope they will hold a hearing, perhaps I'll reach out to the committee, see if I can have a conversation with them, as I used to do in the old days. They need to look at the way we are admitting aliens illegally through ports of entry, because every year 
tens of millions, tens of millions of aliens enter the United States through international airports and other ports of entry for temporary periods of admission. And additionally, we admit about a million lawful immigrants who are immediately placed on the pathway to U.S. citizenship. So I'd love to know what is being done to properly vet the aliens coming legally into the United States. Think about the most recent case that I've talked about. I think I mentioned it last week. We have a Hezbollah terrorist who's been living among us for over 20 years who was legally admitted into the United States, committed immigration fraud, became a United States citizen, and was traveling to clandestine meetings with Hezbollah, traveled to, I believe it was Turkey, to attempt to kill what he believed was an Israeli spy. Uh, his gun jammed. But the point is, this guy was an active terrorist living among us, working as an IT professional in New Jersey, scoping out buildings and locations to be blown up to kill the maximum number of Americans possible. He got 12 years in jail. Immigration fraud in conjunction with terrorism by itself carries a maximum of 25 years in jail. He had a multi-count indictment, and he was found guilty, and he got all of 12 years in jail. Startling. How many more like him are out there? And I could tell you that there have been quite a few naturalized United States citizens who have been arrested in the past because they were sleeper agents working within our borders to carry out terror attacks, and some of them did. For example, the Sarnayev brothers, the family applied for political asylum, which means we can't go back to our home country, in their case Russia, because we will face persecution. And as soon as we gave them political asylum, they voluntarily went back to Russia. There was no regime change. If you remember, the two Tsarnaev brothers carried out the Boston Marathon bombing back in 2013 on Patriot Day, April 15, killed several people, created mayhem, killed children with their backpack explosives, maimed how many people, one of them was a naturalized citizen. The other was seeking U.S. citizenship. Faisal Shazad, the Times Square bomber, I believe that was 2010, became a U.S. citizen, and within a year of becoming a citizen, attempted to set off a car bomb at Times Square, the crossroads of the world. Time and again, we've seen the same thing play out. I, I've written article after article about this. Article after article where we had people become United States citizens, because one of the things that happens when you become a citizen, as an alien, you can change your name. They don't even charge you extra, which is okay. You know, the idea is I'm, re I'm beginning my life all over again as an American. I want to have a name that sounds American. And, and I could tell you that I knew quite a few people who were friends of my parents. They had come to the United States after the Holocaust. They were scarred by their experiences with anti-Semitism and bigotry. They were fearful to continue to use a name that sounded uh, like it might be Jewish or whatever. So they decided to have nondescript names. And, and let's be blunt, there was a time when if you were Jewish, it was hard to get a job. So they said, we want to get a new name. So instead of Schwartz, I'm going to be Smith. And they could do that. But the problem that we have today with the terrorists and with criminals, is that they get a U.S. passport in a new name, but the, the U.S. passport does not reflect their previous name. And they're able to keep their original passport from their original country. 
So you could have somebody running around with a Lebanese passport, just like this terrorist who just got 12 years in jail. He entered on a Lebanese passport. I'm not sure if he was from Lebanon or not. God only knows. <clears throat> but he has a passport from Lebanon, a passport from the United States, different names on the two passports. All you do is travel out of the United States on one passport, then switch to the other passport and travel further to some other destination in the, um, in the world, and you effectively cover your tracks. Some guy goes to Germany as an American citizen using his U.S. passport. He then takes out his Lebanese, Pakistani, Indian, Yemenite, whatever, passport, and travels someplace else. And to the whole world, it would look as though the guy spent three weeks in Germany when he maybe spent three hours there waiting for the flight that would take him to his ultimate destination under the other name. This is a problem. It endangers America's national security and public safety. And it also endangers the security and safety of our allies because these people are passing into countries that might not otherwise allow them in if they realize that that guy with that U.S. passport also has a different passport and a different name that they are familiar with as a terrorist. In fact, many years ago, a friend of mine who was an inspector at a major international airport called me up. He said, Mike, maybe you can talk to the people in Washington because something happened and you need to know about it. I said, okay, what happened? He said, a guy came into my booth at the airport he had a U.S. passport. It said place of birth, Beirut, Lebanon. And he had an Anglo name. Now, my top secret clearance had expired. I didn't have a direct need to know. So he wouldn't tell me the name, and it doesn't much matter. But the point of the matter is he had a, a, an Anglo name. So let's say his name is Robert Anderson, because that sounds Anglo to me. So we'll, we'll call this guy Robert Anderson. And Robert Anderson had a very heavy Arabic accent. Born in Beirut, Lebanon, looks more as though he's originally from the Middle East. So the inspector asked him, how did you become a U.S. citizen? How did you get that passport? Were you uh, the, the child of Americans or did you naturalize? And the guy said, no, I naturalized. He said, well, what was your name before you naturalized? And he gave him his original name. Now, Robert Anderson did not you know, create any problems when he punched that name into his computer, into the database at the airport. But when he punched the guy's original name into the computer, bells and whistles went off. It turned out that he was a wanted international terrorist. He'd been on the run for four years. And in those four years, he had traveled extensively, according to stamps in his U.S. passport. He had traveled throughout Latin America, the Middle East, and Europe. So they called up the Joint Terrorism Task Force. The FBI showed up, scooped this guy up, put him in handcuffs, and away he went. But the point is, what damage had he done in those four years that he was on the run? And the solution is easy. Given the world situation today, we ought to be putting the original name in the U.S. passport. And I raised that issue at congressional hearings. And as far as I know, it still is not being done. Why? For the cost of a couple of drops of ink, we can protect ourselves and we can protect our allies. Too much to ask for. These are vulnerabilities. These are self-inflicted wounds that are easily cured, easily prevented. But you have people in our government who apparently 
do not care. Maybe, in fact, quite the contrary, are, are looking to undermine our security. I don't understand how you could look at what Mayorkas is doing and come to any other possible conclusion. The guy was warned about somebody with a possible link to terrorism applying for a visa and still approves the application. And then he made a statement, and I wrote an article about it for Front Page magazine, how Mayorkas has also said that when people lie to get U.S. citizenship, he would not take any action against them because now that they are Americans, they deserve 100% of the protection of the government of the United States. Well, just stop and let it sink in. When an alien becomes a U.S. citizen but lies on the application for citizenship, that person should not have been granted citizenship. In fact, under the law, you can strip that person of his or her citizenship because it was ill-gotten. If you conceal a material fact, you can be prosecuted. And if that concealment is done in support of terrorism, that crime carries a 25-year maximum jail sentence, just that crime. Concealing a material fact to acquire U.S. citizenship in furtherance of terrorism. But what does Mallorca say? If you lie on those applications and you become an American, we will protect you. The entire government of the United States will stand there and shield you from harm. Shield you from harm. My gosh, it takes my breath away. I don't know if you know this, but when our special forces people took out bin Laden in the compound, they found an extensive library, and there were two items in the library that caught my eye because it was published in the, in the media, at least part of the library was. It was a copy of the 9-11 Commission report. That caught my eye. You know, I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. They also found an application for U.S. citizenship. They didn't say if it had been filled out. I doubt that bin Laden was looking for citizenship. But his people, if you look at the indictments and look at statements that were made and reports that were written by the intelligence services and by law enforcement that I've worked terrorism investigations, they, the terrorists, were being coached by their handlers overseas to come to America, keep a low profile, get a green card, and then get U.S. citizenship. Take no action until you get U.S. citizenship and a U.S. passport. They were crystal clear about the need to do that. So think about that. Think about that. In fact, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, there was a secondary report, 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel written by the federal agents and attorneys who worked with the 9-11 Commission. This is an official report. Starts out, uh, yeah, so it, well, it, it warns about how border security is national security. And, and then it says this. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Now, as I read this to you, I want you to think about the so-called getaways. And I'll, I'll go back and read the chairman's statement to you where he talks about the getaways, by the way. So th there's over a million getaways. Now, what does that mean? These are people that would determine to not be identified by the Border Patrol. So they snuck past the patrol while the patrol was busy taking care of the aliens, providing them with concierge service, okay? They got into the country. By the way, there are people saying we need comprehensive immigration reform. Yeah, let, let's really commit national suicide. So you're going to take 
unknown millions of people who snuck into the country and give them legal status, official identity documents, a pathway to U.S. citizenship without the ability to even see them in person. No interviews, no field investigations. We'll just give them lawful status under whatever name they claim they are. That's what undocumented means. We have no reliable way of knowing who they are. So the solution to illegal immigration, according to these nitwits, and you can find them in both parties, and you can find them among the supposed journalists, is legalize them all. How wonderful. If you think that you solved the immigration crisis by legalizing tens of millions of illegal aliens, then you would believe that the best way to cure cancer is to kill the patient, because you kill the patient, the cancer dies with the patient. Cancer, Right. Massive amnesty solves illegal immigration. You have to be out of your mind to even think that. But there's enough lunatics out there, and and there's no accounting for what thought process they might possibly possess. So when you hear the solution to illegal immigration are, are new laws and an amnesty program, just think death cures cancer. Same thing. Equally stupid and ridiculous and outrageous. So anyway... The statement here, this is in the report, once terrorists had entered the United States, the next challenge was to find a way to remain it. Well, who are we talking about here? Here you're talking about the getaways today, aren't you? They're here, and now what do they have to do? And we, we've seen articles about concerns about Chinese military-age young men flowing freely into the United States. They're here. What is their next challenge? Well, their next challenge is to find a way to remain here. And the report goes on and says their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Right. So now the Biden administration has dumped millions of applicants for asylum. They don't qualify. I wrote an article a while back for front page, and I said that to refer to these individuals as asylum seekers, to give them the legitimacy, It's kind of like calling a homeless person an aspiring millionaire because he went out and bought a lottery ticket. Your thing. So Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived here. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Yad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So they were here illegally, and they were able to get driver's licenses and thus able to rent the truck used in the bombing of the Trade Center in '93 that killed six, injured well over a 1,000, and inflicted a half billion in damages and almost brought the tower down sideways, in which case they probably would have killed a couple of hundred thousand. And now you've got sanctuary states providing illegal aliens who can't prove who they are with what? Driver's licenses. So we put up barricades against car bombs and truck bombs, but we're giving driver's licenses to people who are here illegally in violation of really the Real ID Act, which has yet to be fully implemented, by the way, more than 20 years after 9-11. Could we really? Are we serious? Are we serious? It took us four years to end World War II, start to finish. We had to build nuclear weapons and fleets of airplanes and ships that had never existed before. 
But the Real ID Act, oh, that's too difficult. That's paper. We, we, we don't know how to deal with paper. So 20 years later, the Real ID Act still languishes. Think about it. And we're giving driver's licenses to people who can't prove who the hell they are. And around the world, what do we see terrorists using? Not airplanes, but motor vehicles to carry out terrorist attacks. This is insanity. We are trying to get ourselves killed. This sounds more like a suicide pact than serious law enforcement in the best interest of America or Americans, doesn't it? Forgive my rage. I hope you share it. On page 54 of the report, under three point, this is section 3.2, terrorist travel tactics by plot. Well, there's, there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred. These co-conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. And that's why I said I want to know who the hell we're letting in at the airport. By the way, I was an immigration inspector for the first four years of my career with the INS at JFK. So I'm very familiar with that process. And they go on in this report and say that in so doing, that is to say by using the legal entry system, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents on aliases and on government corruption because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s. Once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status. And we're talking about let's legalize everybody, right? They tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, and by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics would remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. Well, we know about it now. What are we doing about it? Fupkis. Now, here is the final paragraph to that section in the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It will remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terror travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Why don't we talk about sanctuary cities while we're at it? Because if you're a getaway, where are you going to probably go? You're going to go to a sanctuary city, aren't you? Lots of luck. And then page 61 says this, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, think about that, human smugglers clearly have, quote, the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. Finally, page 98, section called Immigration Benefits. By the way, for the very first time, I went before Congress back in May of 1996. I testified at a hearing that focused, I'm sorry, 1997. I testified at a hearing that focused on immigration benefit fraud and visa fraud. So here we go, immigration benefits. Terrorists in the 1990s, this again from the report, terrorists in the 1990s 
as well as the September 11th hijackers needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans are to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status. That's DACA. Oh, and by the way, guess who one of the key architects of DACA was, right? The Threat Action Childhood Arrival? Alejandro Mayorkas. There we go again. Connect the dots, boys and girls. So, as already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum. Yes, and the Biden administration has overwhelmed the asylum system to the point that in some cities it will be nearly a decade before their applications are adjudicated. Now, let's continue on and see what that means, okay? Or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists, terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. So while the application is pending, and now in some places it could be a decade, 10 years, giving them the freedom to travel around the country conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Thank you, Joe Biden. Thank you, Alejandro Mayorkas. Thank you, Kamala Harris, who's looking for the root cause. How outrageous is this? How outrageous is this? And to try to get this off the headlines, because most media isn't covering any of this, but the Trump indictment does a good job of pushing all of these important stories, the congressional hearing, the corruption allegations against Biden, to, to the last page or, or out of the paper and off the news altogether. It is a smokescreen leaving us vulnerable to the next attack. You know, I testified before something like 17 hearings in the House and Senate. I was told it was a record for a non-government official. I've investigated and arrested terrorists. And I am looking at where we are today and the risk we face from terrorists today is exponentially higher than it was on September the 10th, 2001. This is done by our own government. Now, you add to that the flow of narcotics, the fact that the drugs pouring into the United States are destroying lives and families. How is this in the best interest of America or Americans? And why isn't that question asked of any of these politicians by these supposed journalists? And then... I have to throw this in for good measure. You know, Iran is apparently only weeks away from having nuclear materials to, to make a bomb. And the Biden administration is still negotiating with them. Even as they still continue to chant death to America and they're working on the weapons to carry that threat out. 
So on April 17, 2018, the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee conducted a hearing on the topic the state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. One of the witnesses, Dr. Emmanuel Odalenge, he's with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracy, said the following. I want you to listen carefully. I know I've used his quotes before, but I think it's important for you to hear it again. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks, so you think Hezbollah, you think Latin Middle East, Latin American networks. They've got thousands and thousands of operators all over Latin America, folks. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with the violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, the arranging of multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. Now, this next paragraph, I tell you the truth, keeps me awake at night. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is Hezbollah and the cartels, this toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global, global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America, thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. What more do I need to say to you? What more do I need to say to you? And then we, we come to the statement by Chairman Green from the Homeland Security Committee. So I'm going to go back and read what I started reading before, now that we've given you some background that relates directly to his statement. In just over two years under Secretary Mayorkas, more people have entered our country illegally than in the 12 years of the Obama and Trump administrations combined. This includes more than 5.2 million apprehensions at the southwest border, more than 6.1 million apprehensions factoring in Americans' northern and maritime borders, and at least 1.5 million known getaways or gotaways, illegal aliens who slip across our border without being caught and are now at large in the United States, and this should terrify every American. Based on Border Patrol statistics of criminal aliens, they do catch. Those gotaways could include as many as 1,180 aliens guilty of, of DUIs, 285 guilty of sexual assault, and more than three dozen guilty of murder. Last fall, an illegal alien struck and killed Florida, a Florida sheriff's deputy, Mark Hartwick, before fleeing the scene. The alien had entered the country illegally in 2001 in Texas and was sent back to Mexico, but at some point re-entered. And he goes on and talks about all of these concerns and the release of unvetted individuals from the most dangerous adversaries into our local communities. I don't know if you know this, but 75,000 Afghanis were admitted into the United States. And then the FBI was subsequently given earlier last this year um, five, uh, sorry, $15.3 million in emergency funding 
to try to figure out who the Afghanis were, where they were, and what they were up to after we admitted 75,000. Every element of the immigration system has been dismantled and is being used to uh, permit record numbers of people to enter our country from dangerous countries, countries that seek our demise, countries that sponsor terrorism. We have unprecedented levels of narcotics flowing across our borders. And if you dare suggest that this is wrong, you're going to be branded as xenophobe, anti-immigrant, etc., etc., etc. The time has come to stand up and say to people, go to hell. Call me whatever you want, but I'm going to stand up for the safety of my community, the safety of my country, and the safety of my children and their children. I don't consider myself a conservative. I consider myself a liberal. I hate labels, by the way. It depends on the issue. On some issues, you'd say I'm a conservative. Other ki- These labels don't mean baloney. Okay? If you sit down with your average neighbor and say to them, what are your concerns for your children, your grandchildren? They're going to talk about a country where if you work hard and study hard and get a little bit of good luck going for you, you can, you can write your own version of the American dream where you're safe and secure in your own home and safe and secure to go to school and go to the mall and live your life. That is not the case across America today. And our adversaries are licking their chops. And what is the government doing to protect us? And you have corporations that don't want to cooperate with the U.S. government because they're more concerned with meeting the bottom line, making their numbers, making their numbers. It's all about profit. It's about literally selling out our country. I've never seen greed like this. You may not know this, and maybe you disagree with me, and that's great. We're Americans. Do you know that the UPS drivers, through their union, are negotiating with UPS to finally get them to buy air-conditioned trucks? I didn't realize their trucks weren't air-conditioned in 2023. That's why they wear those cargo pocket shorts. They have no air conditioning in the truck. I mean, seriously, you would think that something as basic and fundamental as air conditioning in a truck ought to be the norm. I wonder if the executives at UPS have air conditioning in their offices or if they have somebody running around with a fan, you know, waving it at them. We have never seen a level of greed such as we're witnessing today. And what this is doing is pushing ever more Americans to the left, by the way. We lack empathy. We don't understand that people are going to vote what they think is in their best interest. Between inflation and all the other problems created by this administration, Americans are struggling to put food on the table, roofs over their head, or pay for an education for their children. And we're talking about Americans. And people say to me, well, Mike, why why don't you talk about how the left is always concerned about touchy-feely stuff? Well, I'm all about touchy-feely stuff. Why does compassion never apply to Americans? If you want to get people out of poverty, give them the opportunity for an education and then allow them to get the jobs. Don't bring in an army of foreign workers so that you can drive down wages and working conditions for people that have the degrees and the high-tech skills. Alan Greenspan, back in 2009, during a hearing for Schumer, had the chutzpah to refer to high-tech American workers as the privileged elite and said that the solution to wage inequality is to make American workers compete with foreign workers when they have advanced degrees because through competition we could get rid of their wage premium. They're making too much money. 
Meanwhile, that cretin has mansions all over the place, including the Hamptons. And he refers to solid, middle-class American workers as the privileged elite. So as more and more Americans realize that the American dream is out of their reach, they shift to the party of the handout, which is the the Democrat Party. That's why I wrote an article a while back, and the title of my article was that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. And because of corporate greed, the Republicans are doing nothing to stop the lunacy. America's immigration laws were enacted for just a couple of very fundamental, reasonable, moral principles. Protect public health, protect public safety, protect national security, and protect the jobs and wages of American workers. That's it. Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and it lays out the categories of aliens who are to be kept out of the country. It's not about race or religion or ethnicity. If it was, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It's aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Think COVID. Think about Ellis Island as the quarantine station. Aliens who are severely mentally ill. Aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, human traffickers drug smugglers, and then we get to aliens who would become a public charge, or if they work, would displace American workers and drive down wages. And then we're told we have to modernize the immigration laws. You know what they want to modernize? In 1182, that section of law, there's a little statement that says that farm workers should not be hired as long as there were Americans ready, willing, and able to do the work. Really? They want to eliminate that. Why? that an employer can walk into the factory and fire every American worker and tell them to beat it so they can hire people from a third world who will work for one-third the wage under terrible conditions. And they want to make that legal. That's what they want. They want slave labor because never forget there's always room for more oarsmen on a slave ship. That's why they want to modernize the immigration laws. That's what they mean. They want to modernize it. And most of the people saying it are immigration lawyers on both sides of the aisle because if there was a massive immigration amnesty, they would look at those aliens and they wouldn't be calling them migrants. They're certainly not migrants. They don't like the word alien. They call them what they are, clients, clients for the NGOs, clients for the immigration law firms, clients for the realtors. So we jack housing prices through the roof and more and more Americans are finding it impossible to buy a home or even rent an apartment. How wonderful. How wonderful. And so the Homeland Security Committee is holding this hearing, and they even brought in the former head of Citizenship and Immigration Services who talked about immigration fraud, who talked about the political asylum program implemented by Mayorkas, which runs contrary to law, and he doesn't have that authority. You know, our Constitution and our laws are not a menu. You go into a restaurant, the waiter comes over, or the waitress comes over, and they say to you, well, Mr. Cutler, how are you today? Would you like soup or salad? Well, what's the soup? It's matzo ball. Yeah, I'll have that. No, 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 no. When you take that oath to defend the Constitution, to enforce our laws, you're signing up for every item in the menu. And if you cannot do it in good conscience, you need to find a different way to make a living. You don't have that option. You either enforce the laws as they are written or our laws become meaningless. Selective enforcement of our laws turns the protectors into the oppressors. And we're seeing it today. 
You know, we're not allowed to engage in racial profiling in law enforcement. I agree completely. But today, under this corrupt Democrat Party, what we have is political profiling. Are we far from the day when you call the police to say there's somebody suspicious in my backyard and the operator will say to you, well, what party are you affiliated with? How much further do we have to go before that day happens? Don't say it can't happen because I never would have imagined a woman on the Supreme Court who couldn't tell you what a woman is. It gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And just when you've seen it all, they throw another one at you. Our country is in a state of free fall, and bottom isn't elusive. It's illusory. There appears to be no bottom. And for that, I blame we the people for not standing up to the politicians and telling them, listen, you can amass a war chest of $50 million, and I wouldn't vote for you if my life depended on it. I'll vote for anybody but you because you are not upholding your oath of office, and what you are doing is undermining the safety of our country and the safety of our citizens, and you are erasing the future of my children and my grandchildren. And that's all we have to do is pay attention to what they are doing. The hell with all these campaign finance nonsense. Pay attention to the candidates. Pay attention to the candidates. Arm yourself with the facts and sit down with your neighbors. And stop the name-calling. I am so sick of this nonsense, libertards and all the other garbage. We're Americans, and we can disagree, and we should disagree, because that's what the First Amendment is all about. And it's that First Amendment that every soldier who went into combat to defend this country died for, got wounded for, put their lives on the, life, on the line for. Freedom of speech, freedom of thought. If you don't have those two freedoms, you don't have any freedoms whatsoever. Think about that. Think about that. Think how fundamental that all is. We, the people, need to grow a spine. We have to demonstrate, as we say in Brooklyn, chutzpah. You have a subcommittee or a committee, actually, this is the whole committee, talking about the irreparable damage being done by the Democrats because of failures to enforce the immigration laws. And it goes well beyond what was looked at. If you go to the uh, website today for my, uh, my uh, program, you'll see I've given you the links to both the hearing and to the statements by uh, the chairman of the committee, Mark Green. I've also included the link to the article that I wrote back in December 7, 2020, where it lays out all the details about malfeasance of Alejandro Mayorkas. The only question I want to know is why aren't the Republicans making public the names of every member of the Senate who voted to confirm Mayorkas because they were warned that Mayorkas was guilty of malfeasance that he'd been investigated by the Office of Inspector General, that they found evidence of serious wrongdoing. And incredibly, he kept his job, and then he goes on to become the head of the entire agency, known as, of all things, the Department of Homeland Security. Or as I came to predict, and I was sadly right, he has turned it, indeed, into the Department of Homeland Surrender. I thank you so much for joining me today. I wish all of you uh, folks out there a great weekend. Happy Father's Day, an important day, and have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. And please, folks, do not forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Good night, everybody.